Marga Levy and her daughter Nancy lived on a broad Upper East Side Avenue in a building faced with pink mottled granite behind a pair of swinging doors off the lobby under a steep staircase. Small apartments had been hollowed out a hundred years before for the butlers and governesses of the families occupying the upper stories. Marga and Nancy inhabited a few rooms with high ceilings and thick white walls so often spackled and patched, swollen and sunken, that they seemed to have been formed by a geological event rather than the brotherhood of operative plasterers and cement masons. The windows faced the air shaft, and by the time sunlight sank to its bottom, it was blue and weak. Almost nothing could be heard of the city. Nancy, darling, your egg is ready. Marga set two plates on a tiny cafe table in the corner of the kitchen, two slices of dry toast with a single poached egg quivering on each. Nancy came to the table in the blue dress her mother had laid out for her. She was short, round and soft, with dark eyes and long brown hair that her mother was perpetually pulling off her face. At twelve, she still looked like a child, but the flesh on her body gave her the curves of an older girl. Navy is a good color for you, Marga said. Neutrals hide flaws. Come, eat your breakfast and I'll brush your hair. Marga was a trim brunette from an eastern European province of forests and foothills that on any day could be Czechoslovakia or Romania, depending on who held the border. Her once heavy accent she subdued to a feline vibration that rose to a thrilling trill only when she was excited or called her daughter Darling. She had been named Malka, but there was no one left alive to remember that. Nancy ate breakfast while Marga plaited and pinned up her daughter's hair. Marga's brush strokes were not gentle, and sometimes Nancy's head jerked back from their force. If Nancy complained or pulled away in a spasm of mutiny, Marga tapped her on the shoulder with the back of the brush. Don't struggle. The roll of her R was a growl. After breakfast, Marga swaddled Nancy in a wool coat and scarf, set a blue velvet tam on her head, then walked her as far as the 77th Street subway station. Piano listens today, she called. Chocolum draga, I kiss you, my darling. Like her parents before her, Marga desired a cultured household and took Nancy to the museum, encouraged her to read Zola and Stendhal, and arranged for piano lessons. In case Franz Joseph returned from the dead and stopped by their apartment, Nancy would be able to play a little Chopin for him, perhaps after dinner. On Wednesdays, Marga left Saks early to accompany Nancy to her piano teacher's apartment on West 86th Street. Marga, in a camel's hair coat, 35% discount for employees, stood over her daughter all the way from east to west on the cross-town bus, gripping the overhead strap. Nancy, sheltered under her mother's body, her hands moving over the cover of the music book in her lap, as if she were already at the keyboard. The piano teacher, Mrs. Sheminsky, lived in a building that looked like the Coliseum. In 1924, she had drunk prohibition gin and fallen in love with a mad Hungarian violinist who left her bleeding in an illegal abortionist's operating room just off the Bowery. Now, 40 years later, she sat comfortably widowed, enfolded in her flesh, a frilly jabot at her neck.
her fingertips dusted with powdered sugar from the shortcake Marga brought her. She tapped a red pencil absent-mindedly against the shawl-covered Steinway Grand in her living room. Maybe you should buy her a little girdle, Mrs. Sheminsky said to Marga. She's getting fatter. Girls today won't wear girdles. Well, she'll need something soon. I was ten when my mother put me in my first corset. When can she play the Liebestraum? Marga asked. Oh, Mrs. Levy, Mrs. Sheminsky laughed. Her hands are much too small for that. It will be years. Do you know what Liebestraum means, Nancy?